Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 44. I'm excited about today as well, as I always am. The Poopcast, which was my very first show last year, early July, was obviously all about poop. And the fact that it was one of the most listened to shows tells me that there's a whole bunch of people with poop issues who aren't talking about it. And so I've decided we can't leave it there with just one show on the topic. And there are going to be a couple more specific shows, one about constipation, which is today's show, and the other one about getting the runs, diarrhea. Uh, and the reason I'm doing this is because, as I said before, you know, not enough people are talking about the issues they have. Our bowels are one of our primary detox pathways. And when they're not working right, that is a sign of many, many things. It's a sign of toxicity circulation that's then happening because you're holding onto it for too long. But in, if you've got diarrhea, it could mean you're missing out on nutrients, water, hydration, yada, yada. So there's, we've really got to get this right. And I hope you don't mind me indulging the subject. If it's something that grosses you out, then simply just don't listen. But for the many people who don't care to admit to anybody they've got an issue, I'm doing these two shows uh, coming up, one today, one in a little while to help you demystify some of the things that might be going on for you so that you can actually speak to a practitioner with confidence or even maybe try a few things at home that are free that you can just sort of tweak and and work on yourself before you go and see somebody. So that's that on the show today. I am very excited for the next two weeks. We have a beautiful show supporter, one of my favorite brands. You will remember my chat. And if you haven't listened to it, please go back. It's such an inspiring look into one of my favorite companies with Lisa Bronner with show number two last year. Uh, and in uh, that chat, we obviously explored the beautiful Dr. Bronner story. She's the granddaughter of Dr. Bronner, and uh, it's an incredible brand that really pillars and champions sustainability, fair trade, but also within their workforce, fair pay. They're very big on campaigning around social justice issues in America, and they're just divine products. I visited the factory myself, and it's a, a very special place. And we have 15% off the whole range for you guys for the next two weeks. So please go to the show notes. The Castile soap is indispensable. You can use it to wash your pet, yourself, your car, the dishes. It's a great travel product. Definitely one of my must-haves when you travel. And uh, that is for all of you guys for the next two weeks. So let's kick in today's chat on constipation. I've invited a wonderful naturopath, Linda, to speak to us today and uh, and she's full of a wealth of knowledge, got a super gentle nature about her and really makes you have a bit of a laugh about something that's otherwise a really bothersome thing to experience. Enjoy the show. Hello, Linda. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. And I am so excited to have you on the show talking to Boo again. We're bringing poop back and especially talking about constipation because this is something that can be so frustrating for people and it seems it's almost like losing weight, constipation. There's so many different people saying so many different things, so many different promises and everybody tries everything and often There'll be people who just don't feel like they get anywhere, which is why I'm 
completely excited to bring them the information we're going to be covering today because it is all about getting people somewhere when it comes to this. Um, Not every listener is going to experience this, but I'd hope being such a beautiful sharing bunch that if you out there don't have an issue, but you know, a sister, a cousin, an uncle, a colleague that does, that this will be essential listening for them. So let's let's just jump into why on earth you are called the Pooh Whisperer. Let's start there. <laughs> I love this name. It's- yeah, well, I guess it's it's just in my dorky nature to create. Well, someone else created that name for me, but it I, it just stuck. Um, the reason why I've become the Pooh Whisperer, I guess, is that you know after seeing loads of patients and speaking about bowel habits, which is what we naturopaths do. I really came to realize the extent of which constipation was a problem, but also just how embarrassed and ashamed people were. And so I guess the purpose of the name and making it really lighthearted is is to really make the topic lighthearted. So we start talking about it again. And so people don't, um, you know, suffer in that shame and, and silence because people just self-prescribe because of that silence and that shame, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's the main reason why I came to be, but obviously um, I don't know that you want me to go into it um, in depth, my personal story. Yeah, go for it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to just keep that really short because I'm probably <laughs> a bit bored of hearing it myself. <laughs> but um, I guess, you know, for me, I've been plagued on and off, you know, during the years with constipation and, you know, in my previous role, I uh, would travel to different parts of Australia quite frequently and uh, would be on the road quite a bit. And every time I'd travel, I'd come across, you know, constipation or the other driver for me was stress. And I can be a bit of a worry ward and that can really drive constipation for me. And so being a naturopath and being in the health industry for over 15 years, I couldn't quite work it out because my diet was always quite clean. You know, I exercised, you know, I did all the things that I knew would would support it but it just wouldn't budge and so that's my personal history with it now it's not the story like I don't experience constipation yes maybe when I do travel on the odd occasion I may not go for that particular day but I do have the tools under my belt to a prevent it but to also you know get on top of it if it happens and so that it doesn't sort of happen for another day or go on for two or three days Mm. and Why is pooping so important? Like, you know, a lot of people will say that like up to three, up to as little as three times a week is normal, but I would hazard a guess that that wasn't ideal, especially having chatted to yourself in the past about the subject, the beautiful Helen, who was on the very first show talking about doing 18 inch S shaped bends, you know, once or twice a day is like the holy (laughs) grail of poo. (laughs) like why is it so important to eliminate the bowels well we're essentially taking out what the body doesn't need Mm -hmm. and so we're removing you know hormone byproducts we're removing food waste we're removing those things that the body just doesn't need you know we take on nutrients that we need in our body and all those things that support our overall health if we don't get rid of that toxic waste we recycle it which can lead to a whole host of issues in the body so basically mm. it's you know decomposing it's decaying in the body and what's happening is that it can lead to an overgrowth of bacteria in the gut. It can lead to gut inflammation. It can lead to leaky gut. And, you know, we've heard about that 
that term so many times in the past. And leaky gut in itself, which is just essentially where the intestinal cell walls become permeable and food, undigested food, proteins, cholesterol, and all those bits and pieces pass on through, cause an inflammatory reaction. And that inflammation then goes on to affect the other organs in our body, you know, generally the weakest organ. Wow. Yeah, but that, inf- and as we know, inflammation is just can drive so many chronic illnesses in the body and we end up feeling toxic and exhausted so and it can mess with our hormones i could go on but we're essentially just removing toxins from the body that is why we're aiming for a bowel movement every day ideal one or two movements a day I don't agree with the whole three days a week. I know that that is the norm out there. Like it seriously is. I did my own survey to my, um, oh, sorry. Am I touching the desk? Poor <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Alex. Um, <laughs> I get a bit excited when I talk about poop. I know, I do too. <laughs> it's okay. I, I understand. Yeah. So it is the norm that people go anywhere between, say, you know, one to three times a week. The people that I've sort of interviewed and, and put out a survey not too long ago, and people were going, say, about three times a week and generally with an aid of some sort, so with a laxative. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, most of those people feel uncomfortable and do not feel you know, good in their skin. Maybe their energy levels are poor. Maybe there are other conditions or signs and symptoms that they're experiencing that they don't necessarily connect to constipation mm. and irregular bowel movements. So, yeah, that's why we need to poop. It's really, really important. It's just a part of manufacturing, human manufacturing. That's such a great way to look at it because, mm. as you said at the start, you know, there's unfortunately so much shame around pooping and if you don't do it right, you know, it, maybe you have the runs all the time and you're you're in Crohn's territory or maybe what we're talking about today, it's constipation. But this is such a fundamental thing to get right. And while it's not the only detoxification pathway of the body, definitely a massively important one. And it's it's so important to, to keep eliminating. And I totally agree with you on the energy front. A lot of people, you know, start thinking adrenal fatigue and all that sort of stuff. And you get down the line of questioning and then you find out they're only pooping once or twice a week. And you're like, hold on, hold on. This is not adrenal fatigue. This is like you are totally compacted and it's literally weighing your whole system down. Mm, The body becomes, you know, you're auto intoxicating. But, Mm. you know, for me as well, sometimes something like constipation, when people finally do seek support, can alert us to something a bit deeper because it is a symptom. So if someone feels really uncomfortable and they're like, right, I need to get on top of this, we can dig a bit deeper. And there are many drivers to constipation, but it might kind of lead us in the direction of, say, you know, what's going on with that person's thyroid, for Mm. example. So if the pain point is enough, people will hopefully go and seek support when, you know, the laxatives stop working or whatever it might be. Hopefully they don't even get to that point and they do seek support. But um, it is the thing that will hopefully drive them to create change or will alert their practitioner to dig a bit deeper as to what is going on here. And my question to you, I'm not a a mum yet, but, you know, you wouldn't leave your child for a week without pooping. You'd be concerned, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Women look at, and I'm sure men do as well, but you're looking at your child's poop all the time, you know, for changes, for 
are they even going? What's happening there? Should I be concerned? You talk about poo all you the do. time. It's an <laughs> obsession when they're a baby. Oh, totally. my goodness. So yeah. Let's start talking about it um, as adults, hey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I have a really open dialogue with my little guy. He'll say, oh, it was a bit of a runny one today, mum, or, you know, and and so we'll have a think back to the foods and, you know, over time you see if there's a bit of a pattern. Oh, or when you eat that, it seems to just not be your best food. So let's drop that back a bit. And I think it's just so important to not make it weird to talk about. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned as a clinician, this is obviously a really huge sign that other things could be at play. What you yep. meant, you also mentioned the thyroid. What are some of the other things that you start investigating when there's a constipation issue? Yeah, so something like SIBO as mm. well, so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And I know that there are a couple of presentations here so that there's a methane dominant and a hydrogen dominant yeah. presentation here. And it's the methane dominant small intestinal bacterial overgrowth situation, that's tongue, tongue mm-hmm. right? <laughs> uh, that can have that sort of symptom of constipation mm-hmm. because it affects the motility of the, the muscles, so the contractions that help to push the poop on through. Uh, but also the, it affects the motility of the, in the small intestine. So it allows for, you know, the food and food waste to stay in there longer, which leads to that overgrowth of bacteria more so mm. than, than if it was passing through at its normal rate. So you might have had a tiny overgrowth that triggered the constipation, but then the constipation triggers a further overgrowth and then you end up in this icky cycle. Absolutely. This vicious Mm. cycle, you know, there are so many things. I mean, there are other things that you would want to look at as well, that there are other drivers, you know, certainly you'd be wanting to look at medications that people are taking as well. So antihypertensives, some antidepressants, sometimes it can be an organ malfunction. So you want to be looking at the gallbladder, the liver, again, the thyroid, the adrenals, pregnancy as well. You know, that's, Obviously not a condition, mm-hmm. but certainly, you know, generally what happens there is that the, the sort of bowel movements do tend to slow down in that, um, and that's due to the hormone progesterone, which does slow things down. So baby has enough time to, to gain and, and take on those nutrients, but it doesn't do much for mum's bowel movements. Mm. Yeah, I remember not loving that at all. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And skin conditions as well. When someone comes in with, say, acne or rosacea, any sort of skin condition is an inflammation of the skin. And we want to look at what's going on with the gut, you know. Generally, there'd be a a dysbiosis going on there in the gut. And there's probably a bit of sluggish bowel movements too. So you'd want to start there in order to improve the skin and so many people with skin issues see a dermatologist yes. and work on it from the outside in. And while, of course, a dermatologist has a role to play, I, I totally agree with you that the, the gut is just such a huge thing to be looking at uh, when it comes to skin issues and all the other issues you said. I mean, Hippocrates wasn't wrong, was he? All diseases. No. <laughs> all, Not at they all. all start in the gut. Absolutely. But again, someone needs to, what I've found in practice, that people just really need to get uncomfortable and have that pain there in order to truly make the changes. Because half the time we know what to do, 
But it's not until, say, we feel constipated or there's something showing up on our face, like acne or rosacea, which is quite socially debilitating for people, that people will then go and make the change. And even, you know, uh, weight loss, that can be, not saying it's the only thing, but that can be a component of why someone is not shedding the weight that they would like because of the fact that they're not moving their bowels. Because, again, when we're recycling those um, toxins and the hormone byproducts, we're affecting our thyroid, which is really sensitive to toxins, and that also um, we are reabsorbing estrogen, and high levels of estrogens affect the way that we uptake our thyroid hormones or we utilize our thyroid hormones. Also that systemic inflammation that happens with, say, the gut inflammation and the leaky gut from constipation can really affect the hypothalamus, which can then go on to lead to things like leptin resistance. And leptin is that hormone that really, you know, makes us feel full. So it can affect our appetite. It can drive things like insulin resistance. And so there is so many things. But again, that would be a pain point for someone. Mm. You wouldn't necessarily think about, okay, well, what's my bowel movements doing? Is that one of the contributing factors for me not being able to shed the weight? You know, what's it doing internally? It's creating some inflammation. It's affecting all of the other organs in my body at some level. And we don't want to feel toxic we don't want to auto intoxicate or poison the body. It just, it doesn't, that's essentially what we're doing. And, you know, I'm not trying to put the fear factor out there. I am really trying to make light of this. But the whole purpose of this, these discussions of constipation, is for people to really understand that there is a purpose to us eliminating through bowel movements. Yeah. So if, if you're not, don't ignore it. Think about what you would do for a child. You just wouldn't, mm. you wouldn't ignore it. I love that. And so on that note, how do we break this down and where do we start? Okay, I'm going to ask you a general, how do we get things moving along? Let's go through some of your best tips um, and strategies for getting pooping regularly. Yes, and there are so many. (laughs) There are so many. I bet. I'm imagining you in your office right now with this huge list going, okay, we've only got another half hour. Yeah. <laughs> this, no, this is the thing, Alex. It's so we are so freaking different. We are. So our drivers to constipation is different. So I guess it may help if I share what I do. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I certainly take myself off gluten. Mm-hmm. I don't eat gluten anyways, but for, for many reasons, it's it's a trigger food. It can um create and drive things like leaky gut. So that gliadin, that protein component, component that, that component of gluten, increases the production of something called zonulin, which basically just opens and closes the intestinal cell um, lining, cell barrier. Mm-hmm. So it allows for you know those toxins and things to pass on through. So it just exacerbates and drives things like leaky gut. Not only that, it's it's often sprayed with things like Roundup, and we know how harmful that is to our overall health, gut flora balance, endocrine health, all that sort of stuff, and can create things like nutritional deficiencies. So gluten, I'd get myself off that. Mm. And the same, I believe, gluten is actually, I think it's Greek or Latin for the for the term called glue. So think about what that's actually doing in your gut. You know, yeah. it's a binder for lots of things. So if you're not moving the bowels, take yourself off the gluten. Other things that 
certainly, obviously, water is a very, very obvious one. I think to go one step further, if I was, say, having a constipated day, I would have room temperature or warm water or even part boiled with a bit of room temperature water and I'd pop about a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in there and I would sip that until it's finished. And is that because of the alkalinity of the apple cider vinegar once it hits your system? Yeah, I look for many, many reasons. I think absolutely it's alkaline. It's, it's, you know, causes that alkalinity sort of has that property, but it also just supports the breakdown of food. Yeah, okay. Yeah, as a cultured Um, food itself. Yeah. Yeah, and it acts as a bit of a probiotic as well. And I find for me that just gets things going. And it's just a bit of an old tool that you can use. It doesn't cost a fortune, which is awesome. I would certainly make sure during that day to help avoid another day of constipation that I'm getting enough plant food, so enough fibre in the way of, um, you know, your cruciferous vegetables, broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, things like onions and, you know, garlic, all those fibrous, prebiotic-rich foods really support. I would make sure that I'm not excessively eating protein as well. So I love my food. I am European. So (laughs) (laughs) I sometimes overeat my protein source. And all you really need in one sitting is your palm size of protein, of quality protein per meal, you know, grass-fed or organic. I always make an effort and say to people, you know, if you're only going to choose organic, you know, in your pantry, obviously for a lot of people choosing organic can be very, very expensive. But certainly with the animal protein, go down the route of your grass feds and your organic. It's really, really important that you're not taking on, you know, the hormones and the chemicals and all the rest that's going to disrupt your gut. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, further. So I'll make sure I have a palm portion because what happens if we're not moving our bowels is protein really readily um, putrefies in the gut. Ew, so, that yeah, just sounds horrible. It does, doesn't it? It's, <laughs> it does sound really disgusting, doesn't it? There's there's about four different levels of gut dysbiosis and one of them is the putrefactive. So, yeah, I do love saying that word and essentially that just means rotting. Mm. So it easily rots in your gut. You don't want that when you've already got recycling, you know, toxins and you're not removing waste well. Mm-hmm. move I make sure I move throughout the day and it could just be random movements you know certainly I'll use a standing desk so I'm not seated down all the time I'll make sure I get in you know whether I'm walking or you know I might do yoga in the morning or go for a, a you know a short run or whatever it might look like to you I'll certainly move the body yeah and, and I, I might just add in there Linda you know a lot of people here a lot of busy people, maybe you've got multiple children, maybe you're a double working family trying to pay off a mortgage and raise kids and it's crazy hectic. When you hear, I do yoga, that doesn't necessarily mean that Linda's going off to a 90-minute class. Oh, it could literally just mean doing a few sun salutes and a couple of downward dogs and a bit of breathing to just get that body oxygenated and, and some fresh blood pumping through. It's it. A lot of people think, oh, well, I can't do that, so I won't do that. And I just want everybody out there to think, if I've got five minutes, then that's enough. That's absolutely fine and it's enough to just get the body moving in the morning. I agree. And to be honest, and, 
you know, you're absolutely right. We've just recently moved suburbs and, you know, I don't have my network of yoga studio or whatever it might be. So, yes, I do do some form of movement in the morning on my own in a different room. You know, it could be 20 minutes even. And I tend to meet up with a buddy a couple of times a week to go for a bit of a walk slash pathetic jog (laughs) (laughs) for about 40 minutes. So it's not, you know, pounding the pavement for two hours in a studio with a hefty membership. It doesn't need to be like that. Yeah. But I really encourage people to act as the centenarians do. And that's, you know, the people that live beyond 100 years, what they do is they just get activity throughout the day. Instead of using heaps of gadgets in the kitchen, you use your hands to mix the cake or you know what I mean? Like put the clothes out on the line or just get it, walk to the letterbox, take your work phone call and go around the block of the Mm. building, you know, like just move the body. And to be honest, for me, just having a standing desk, not standing the entire day because I get really lazy and just lean on one side. I make sure that I stand and sit throughout the day. So I'll just stand for a while. I'll sit down to maybe have lunch and, you know, that sort of thing. But I'll make sure I just have a combination of just just random acts of movement throughout the day. Yeah, nice. Yeah. There's so many ways that you can skin a cat with constipation, as I said. There's, you know, there's breath work. You mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. That's, um, I think, really tapping into what's going on for you stress-wise and how are you sleeping, you know, because that really there is that gut-brain access that really – so when we're supporting the gut, we're also supporting brain function. And breath is just so important. We're just oxygenating the body. We're just moving things by oxygenating the body as well. Going back to exercise and movement, you're really improving the bowel tone. So if you don't use it, you lose it, basically. So you want to you want to stimulate the muscles, which are your intestinal cell walls, stimulate those contractions that help push the poop on through Mm. so movement helps you do that and does things like breath work really really important Um, herbs and spices I use a bucket load of and um, you know things like cayenne and depending on what's going on for you because you may not be moving your bowels because there is some underlying pathogen so you might need to look at going to see a practitioner getting some testing done removing that particular pathogen so that you can get things moving again and looking at gut repair and um, support following. Mm. And, you know, that can always sound like a bit of a coal mine to, <laughs> to think, oh, totally. oh, gosh, now I've got to get all these tests done. But I really do believe that a poop test is one of the most valuable pieces of information you can find out about yourself simply yeah. because either an imbalance of good guys to bad guys or pathogens or parasites can really wreak havoc and can also if that is the only issue, be identified so easily and treated so simply. It's almost the first port of call that I like to sort of suggest if someone's, you know, tried some lifestyle things and they just haven't got things going. So I agree. I do. I, I poop test everyone. It's, it's essential because it takes the, for me, it just takes the guesswork out of what's going on for someone. Well, this is it. And it might be a couple of hundred bucks or, you know, 500 if you do one of the more expensive ones. But at the end of the day, think about how many years some people can spend stabbing around in the dark with different supplements and treating themselves via iHerb kind of thing and, and really just not getting anywhere with their health when having some Cold hard data might be a bit of a gulp when you have to give over quite a bit of cash in the in the one go, but you might be saving yourself not only the cash in the long term, but the 
the years of feeling crappy. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I think people actually just don't realise how much they're Band-Aid treating and how, again, not making the connection between ill health is actually really expensive. And so, you know, the the fact that you're constantly getting colds that you might or coughs that you're just Band-Aid treating with liquid syrups or histamine products or whatever it might be to reduce those symptoms, if you look at doing some investigation you're going to be hitting the nail, you're going to have a bit of a clearer picture of what's going on so that these things are less likely to happen and so that you're going to be saving money long-term with unnecessary supplementation or just because you're just guessing you th- or you've read something about SIBO and you think you've got it, you know, Band-Aid treating a cough or a cold or, you know, using a laxative, that's not really looking at the root cause. Mm. And I have to say, like, the, the stool tests just get better and better. Like, they... They not only tell you if a, if a pathogen is present, you know, they look at what your short-chain fatty acids look like, which is why I love the, the test as a naturopath because it looks at, you know, what the short-chain fatty acids look like. And they're essentially those amazing nutrients that your bacteria produce, one of them being butyrate. Butyrate is just well researched. It's anti-inflammatory. It heals the gut cells in the in the colon and the small intestine. Um, it improves things like insulin sensitivity. It improves mitochondrial function, and Im- improves the integrity of your blood-brain barrier. Now we all want to Im- promote the growth of those. Mm. So your stool test can actually see if you have low levels of things like your short-chain fatty acids. It can sort of again allude to okay, well they've got these these things going on, which may indicate that there might be SIBO going on. So let's do a bit of investigation there or let's look at treating as if there is SIBO present there. But, yeah, again, and the prices of these things have come down from what they used to be. Right. So what can someone expect to, to spend maybe if they're here or in America? Yeah, well, well let's start with what they used to be. <laughs> they used to be around probably the you know the 600 to 700 mark and you're still going to get some that are that are like that but you can really get some great results i like to do you know your cdsa but with some pcr testing added to it as well and that's just a really sensitive it picks up really um it's that low level detection of an identification of bacteria Mm -hmm. so you're looking at anywhere between for a good one probably about $280 280 to $400. Right. But again, that's going to be safe. Supplements are expensive. Mm. So when you think about you spending $30 to $50 on a supplement every time you self-prescribe, not really getting anywhere, these are invaluable. And they give you a bit of a direction as to where to start first, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I highly recommend stool tests. They do save you money long term. I absolutely love them. Nice. And you can work with natural if you have no one in your circle that is seeing a naturopath locally to you, many will see you via Skype these days and be able to work with you long distance. So don't think that just because there isn't a naturopath that you've heard of in your town or city, that means you can't see one. Thank gosh for the internet. You sure can. It's amazing. And yeah, there's just you can really get a long way when you when you get to know your poop a little bit better. Oh, totally. Windows to your soul. (laughs) (laughs) A question that often comes up, Linda, and I'd love to know if you can answer this, 
is what is a typical transit time? Like, so we eat our meal. Yeah. And when should we expect it to come out the other end? Yeah. So you're looking at anywhere from 16 to 24 hours. That's okay. what you want to be shooting for. And you can actually test your transit time by just taking about two tablespoons of sesame seeds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you should be able to, and taking note of when you actually consume them and when it actually passes when you see it in the toilet bowl. So yes, really becoming aware of your stool, but because some people may be going every day, so they think that they're actually regular, but they may not be. It may be pebbly poo, maybe that sort of unsatisfactory, you know, you know that you could go more, but it just feels really incomplete. Yeah. So do the bowel transit time. You might actually find that, yes, you've had it, say, today, but you may not see it for two or three days, which means that there might be a bit of a slow transit time or sluggish bowel movements or something going on there. It could be better. And does that mean you're a bit compacted on the inside and that's why you might feel a bit bloaty and full even though you've eaten a small meal and things like that? Yeah, you could absolutely be compacted on the inside. And there is something, have you heard of bowel overflow? No, tell us. Well, <laughs> <laughs> who knew we could be so excited about such oh, things? I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, um, bowel overflow. So, someone could be constipated for many, many years, but they may actually be having. It's going to sound like a bit, a bit, a bit of irony going on here, but they may get dribbles. I had a patient recently who was say every time she'd go on the treadmill or move she'd dribble feces and oh, it's pretty like as in diarrhea kind just, of stuff yeah just diarrhea which didn't kind of match the whole i've been constipated for for many years yeah but what is actually happening there is that there's fecal compaction in the lining of the intestines so there's buildup of poop in the lining of the intestines and in your the, your body's last ditch attempt to get rid of it is to liquefy the contents to push it through in that small like narrow lumen. Oh, yep. So that's what's going on there. There's there's, there's actually it's actually constipation, but it's your body trying to support itself, trying to remove the toxins by liquefying it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how or why I spoke about that. <laughs> Spoken about this right now, but there was, <laughs> there was a reason to it. Um, so in that instance, that is still a form of constipation. You know, what we're trying to aim for is it, and again, you can go back to that awesome podcast, the very first one you did on All About Poo. Yeah. But, yeah, the one that just slides out. You don't get any sort of debris hanging on the bum. It, it sort of slips out easily. There's no straining. It's got like a medium brown sort of colour to it. There's, you yeah, know, not food particles or, you know, lots of mucus or anything hanging on there. And, yeah, it doesn't really have a really foul, foul odour. It's going to have a stench, but it's not going to be that, whoa, okay, we can't go in the toilet for two days sort of situation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's what we're sort of aiming for. Awesome. And it just sounds so easy, doesn't it? <laughs> and yet, it's, just, it's not always easy. No. And so you mentioned um, with that overflow situation, you know, I'm so excited about this new term that I've learned that I want to go back there. See? Incontinence is, is the, uh, you know, proper word for it if you want to use that, but I do like bowel overflow. Yeah, it just, it makes sense because you kind of visualise that. <laughs> we probably yeah. don't want to. <laughs> what I thought was interesting, what you said there, and I'd love to know if there's, something we can do in terms of a protocol is feces stuck to intestinal lining. 
How do you actually remove that? What sort of, is it a supplement that you would use to target that or a specific diet? Because, you know, obviously you can get going regularly, but if there's stuff stuck to the intestines, like you you also want to repair, not just get things going. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you'd be wanting to work with a practitioner too, but I think there are a few avenues that you could take outside of definitely, you know, water, fibre, all of those things that I've spoken about. Movement's going to be hugely important. Making sure you're not neglecting the urge to go because lots of people do, especially elderly, but lots of people when they're, say, staying somewhere foreign or at a friend's house where the toilet's next door, they neglect the urge to go, which then creates this sort of autonomic reflex where you just kind of, you know, you, you, um, have, you end up being constipated because you do that often enough you're almost training your body but outside of that magnesium magnesium Mm -hmm. i absolutely love in general for the bowels but also for the nervous system and if that's your driver to constipation that's really going to support i like using magnesium bisglycinate Mm -hmm. because it really it it gets to where it needs to go before it does its job yeah other than that I will say if there's been fecal impaction for a long period of time, what could support would be a colonic. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend people do it on a regular basis, but in an instance like this, I'd probably do a short succession of them, maybe, you know, three to six, guided by someone, a practitioner within one of these clinics, because that'll help to remove the the impaction. Um, But it'll also break down some of that biofilm as well. So if there's like... um, the the biofilm is basically that sort of that matrix almost sort of material that sits over a bacteria and we want to remove the biofilm because beneath that is what's called the persister cells which just sort of linger around and then recolonize the gut. Mm, so the biofilm's protecting them from either from doing their job is that what you're saying? No, the the bio What's the we, opposite? Yeah, so when we remove um bacterial pathogens from the body we tend to use whether it's natural antimicrobials or you know in some instances antibiotics some people may use we do want to kill off and and cut through the biofilm which is that layer which is why i like to do a bit of cycling with my uh when i do a bit of cleansing or detoxifications with people so i can break through and i obviously use the the appropriate herbs that cut through the biofilm film like um berberine Mm -hmm. and there are a few others but the biofilm film is just sort of it's almost like a house that sort of um contains these cells that just hang around they're not really they're not really killed off by any of the antimicrobials that you've given it and they're just almost like waiting for the opportunity to recolonize the gut again so you could be feeling really great from this antimicrobial um, cleanse that you've been on and you've just done it for that one time and then you've had these persistent cells linger around and recolonize and then you're unwell again and these symptoms start to come up again so you just again Go with a practitioner that, that knows what they're doing in this area and that is able to support the removal and breakdown of things like biofilm as mm-hmm. well as the pathogens. But um, the colonic in this instance where there's been years and years of in, impaction um, and nothing is helping to to get it going, I would probably, as I mentioned, three to six and then nothing, you know, for and a good clinician in these colon clinics will say you know i don't want to see you for 
such as like a year or whatever it might be. But I don't personally encourage colonics. I think the problem I see with people that have come to see me that do regular colonics and I'm trying to really retrain their bowels to do the regular thing that it's designed to do, have that muscular contraction that pushes the poop on through, if they're so used to doing colonics, the bowels become a bit lazy mm. and they become reliant of it, on it because they know what the how they're going to feel afterwards when they have a complete bowel movement, you know. So it does take time to really rectify a situation that has been going on for many years, you know, that could be sluggish bowel movements. So you're just going to be with anything when it comes to you know, losing weight or you know, supporting the health of the thyroid. It's not an overnight fix. It does take time, but I guarantee you the rewards are much better than relying on something like colonics or laxatives, which are going to do more damage than good long-term if they are become a staple in your life. Mm. But it's certainly when it comes to the fecal impaction, you just want to make sure that you're removing the trigger foods, you're having enough water, you're getting enough movement, using things like magnesium, and if your practitioner suggests, then maybe doing a short amount of colonics, like three, to just get things going and to remove the, the build-up. And obviously you just, you know, do the, the gut-supportive nutrients following that to restore and repair. And what are some of those nutrients that you recommend? Ah, oh, there's so many. <laughs> what are your top three? Top three favourites. Jeez, oh, jeez. Um, Ones oh, that just seem to become your clinical go-tos to get started. Oh, God. I, I, I absolutely love things that do contain glutamine because uh-huh. uh, that's really supportive for gut integrity, gut lining, gut immunity. Then there's a then you know natural prebiotics as well. Supplementation wise, there's a there's an awesome prebiotic that I use. She's called Metafiber. But all you know prebiotics are, are essentially those nutrients that are selectively chosen and um, so to stimulate the growth of our good flora or you know and create a really healthy balance in the gut. So that sort of you know benefits the host. Mm-hmm. And so you can get that obviously through your food, so plant food. I always tend to go for the just making it a lifestyle for people because supplements can get expensive. So, you know, natural prebiotics for sure, food, plant food. Um, natural probiotics, again, it really would depend on the person because if there's you know, a case of things like SIBO or some other conditions going on, some people may react to things like fermented foods or kefir or whatever it might be so those things I tend to go slowly with I'll just sort of work with the person and and hope that they do communicate with me well we'll change the dose but we might incorporate that later on down the track Mm -hmm. if not straight away what else what else oh there's so many (laughs) (laughs) what else do I do with repair oh fish oil I absolutely love you know uh, essential fatty acids are just key I think body but also your intestinal cell walls are made up of fat, so you need to give them the right fuel in order to do their job correctly. And I think for those people that experience low mood, stress, all that sort of stuff, your fish oils really support brain function So and, you know, really help to reduce inflammation in the body. And, and again, as I mentioned, that com- inflammation can be a bit of a side effect of something like constipation when there's leaky gut and all that other sort of stuff going on. So 
magnesium, fish oil, natural prebiotics and probiotics. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Linda. There was a lot of information in there in a in a short 40-odd minute um, chat. And I love that there are just a few things that we can at least start to do ourselves before reaching out to a practitioner just in case we are in the easy fix basket of a few lifestyle changes and a couple of key supplements that are fine to navigate yourself with the help of maybe a naturopath at a health food shop so you get a good quality one. But then to know that there is really targeted support that you can receive from a practitioner if those lifestyle changes and those couple of supplements don't achieve the results that you want them to achieve, much better to nip it in the bud and get that data happening so you can see what's going on in the gut earlier rather than later. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) So it's been awesome chatting to you. I am going to share everything that you've got coming up because you've actually got a constipation course can you believe that such a thing is just about to exist, people? So if this is something that you really want to work on with ongoing support of a naturopath guiding you through the process, then I dare say that would be a really excellent experience uh, for many people listening today. So thanks, Linda. I will speak to you very soon. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week. Pass.